Hey, good morning, church. Wow, this room looks different. It's full of tables and risers and kids, and the joy of the Lord is in this place. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I wonder if the gift of children in our midst isn't lost on us, and we think somehow that they're here so that we can instruct and teach them but God has a way of flipping things on, their, on, on its head. And I wonder if we might remember this morning that the children who are here maybe are here to teach us something about what it means that the joy of the Lord is present and in the house of the Lord. This is the season of Advent. We have uh, lit candles. If you didn't get the message, you're certainly willing to continue to let them burn if you'd like. We kind of recommend that you probably want to blow those out. Uh, probably a good idea at this point. We have uh, lit candles together. Remember the light of the world that's come to us. We've lit these candles in this season of waiting and preparing and longing for the coming of God, for the goodness of God that brings to us hope. It brings to us peace. And it brings to us, we remember today, great joy. The word of the Lord this morning comes to us from Zephaniah, as was shared with us in uh, the reading just a few moments ago. Zephaniah. Now, if uh, you have your Bible and you're wondering, Zephaniah, Zephaniah, I didn't know there was a Zephaniah. You will find Zephaniah at the very end of your Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, right at the closing pages of that First Testament that we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, the prophet Zephaniah. And I'm going to share again the reading uh, from this uh, chapter, Zephaniah 3. So hear the word of the Lord. Listen in. Hear the word of the Lord for us today on this third Sunday of Advent, beginning in verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. This is the word of God for you, for me, for the people of God assembled today. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with great singing. With gladness, he will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. This kind of looks like a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise." And renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At 
The time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Rejoice and exult, the prophet Zephaniah says. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together and give thanks. God, we give thanks to you for this, your word, ever before us, living and true. That word that by the power of your spirit made all things and remakes all things, makes us new and fills us with great joy. Help us to receive this word so that we might know you, O God, in all your goodness, so that we might be filled with your joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've shared this story before. Ken Blanchard tells the story in his book, uh, We Are the Beloved, of the young family. We have lots of little ones, young ones with us. The young family who was expecting another child. They had a four-year-old named Sashi. And as all parents would do, they were explaining to Sashi, you're going to have a new baby brother or sister, and Sashi was very excited about this news and very curious about this news. And as the months progressed and the expectancy grew, Sashi kept asking the question over and over again. Curious little question. Sashi would say, Mom, when the baby comes, can I be alone with the baby? When the baby comes... I want to hold the baby and be alone with the baby. And they said, oh, that, that will be fine, Sashi. And they, they kept thinking that maybe this would pass. But month after month, Sashi keeps saying, when the baby comes, can I be alone with the baby? I want to take the baby, hold the baby, and be alone with the baby. And they would say the same thing. Oh, that's, we'll see. That's very nice. And, and sure enough, the baby came. And mom and dad brought the baby home. And Sashi was so excited to meet the the baby. And you can guess what the first question was. (laughs) Mommy, Daddy, can I be alone with the baby? And they were getting a little concerned at this point. The obsession with being alone with the baby. After enough weeks and enough asking, they decided, well, okay, maybe this isn't such a bad thing. And And so they took the baby into Sashi's room and they set the baby on the bed and and then they stepped back and stepped back and pulled the door to, but not all the way, so that they could watch. This needs supervision. A four-year-old with a newborn needs supervision, right? Am I right? And they listened. They were ready to respond should they be needed and they listened. And you know, Sashi walked over to the baby and, and put her hand on the baby's head like this and leaned in close to the baby and they could hear her in almost a whisper, but they could hear her from the door. She said, baby, can you tell me what God is like? I'm already beginning to forget. Ah. Uh, The baby had just come from God. Surely the baby would remember. I'm already beginning to forget. And I tell that story because it's true, isn't it? 
we are mostly beginning to forget over time who God is. And there's something captured in the heart, in the spirit of a child that is of the essence of the divine that reflects the nature of God. And, and we want to know. And it's not that we're already beginning to forget who God is, but we're already beginning to lose a sense of the joy that God has placed within us. We're already beginning to lose a sense of the joy that God has placed within us. Have you ever noticed when you watch these children or perhaps when you listen to them in all their curious commotion and bustling about that there's an energy, there is a joyous energy that's leaning into life and that's sometimes pressing the boundaries here and there, but it's out of this enthusiasm, this energy. Sometimes we go, I wish I could bottle all that energy. It is this unbridled joy possessed in the life of a child that's born of wonder at life itself and people and things as they explore the world and discover the world. Our little Lorelei is what? Maybe 18 months old, maybe one or so. No, she turned almost two, 18 months old. And, and this is the first Christmas where she can really notice is what, what's going on. And she sees the lights and her mom and dad have taught her to say this. She, she says, Oh, wow. She doesn't say many words, but she says, Oh, wow. Do you know that phrase? Or are we already beginning to lose it? This wonder, this joy at life itself that stretches out beyond us, that pierces the heavens so that in the most ordinary moments of life, in the lighting of a candle, in the twinkle of a light, we are caught in this wonder. Oh, wow. In some sense, to gather in the name of Jesus, to anticipate the coming of Jesus like this, to worship together is little more than stepping back and saying, oh, wow, with joy. I look out across the people of God gathered for worship oftentimes from this vantage point. I wish I could like pull my phone out and take a video and show you all what it looks like. And I often wonder if we haven't already begun to lose our sense of wonder, our sense of joy. Every once in a while, I'll catch a twinkle in an eye, a moment of recognition as the word of God is read or as we reflect upon it together. And it's as if in that moment, in that twinkle, in a song of praise, when someone's hands are lifted, it's as if I can hear this joy well up into, oh, wow. Worship is the, oh, wow. Now, we're hearing the word of God from the prophet Zephaniah. Any Zephaniahs in the house? Anyone named Zephaniah? No Zephaniahs? You haven't named any of your children Zephaniah? What about Haggai? Any Haggai's? No? Malak, maybe a Malachi. These are the prophets of old, Zephaniah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. We're hearing the word of God from the prophet 
Zephaniah. And the world in front of Zephaniah is pretty messed up. I can kind of understand why someone would lose their joy. For the people of God for a long time, a long time, they've been waiting. Did you hear in the reading? There will come this day. It will be filled with great joy. God says, I will bring you home. I will make all things right. Zephaniah calls this the day of the Lord. Yom Yahweh. Day of the Lord. He says, when the day of the Lord, when Yom Yahweh, God will gather up his people. He will set all things right. He will make all things straight. He will restore every broken place. He will fill every valley. He will make all people and all things whole on Yom Yahweh, on the day of the Lord. And on that day, there will be great rejoicing. There will be unbridled praise. There will be great joy when that day comes. And and it's the experience of anticipation that the day of the Lord is coming that Zephaniah speaks of. And it's the experience that carries forward from Zephaniah Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, right there, all at the end of the Hebrew Bible and the story that's told therein. It's that anticipation and that experience of the world that carries forward. Did you know there's a long stretch between Zephaniah and his buds and the time we get to shepherds out in the field? 400 years between the prophets saying, the day of the Lord is coming, the day of the Lord is coming, and those shepherds waiting keeping watch out in the field. 400 long years. And the experience of the people of God in those 400 years are summed up like this. The world is a pretty messed up place. Experience it lots of ways. This isn't a history class. But if you're the kind that's interested in history, you can go and look up. It's, it's Alexander the Great, and then it's Antiochus Epiphanes, and then finally it all comes down to the Romans who uh, rule over the people of God and in, in appoint a king over Israel, Herod. You hear that name, King Herod, in the story of when Jesus comes into the world. Their experience for these 400 years... Not to mention the time period of Zephaniah and Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi, but all the way up is the world is a pretty unjust, messed up place. By the time we get to Mary and Joseph, when Mary and Joseph finally roll up in Jerusalem, they've been waiting on the day of the Lord, Yom Yahweh. They've been waiting on it for a long, long time. It has shaped how they see the world. It has shaped how they see each other. It is this longing, this anticipation. Ah, if only God would come and set the world right. If you've been waiting for that long, if your experience of the world is their experience of the the world, it's easy to lose your joy. It's easy to lose your joy. Here are those shepherds at last out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, when the heavens open and the angels sing, today in the town 
of David, a Savior, the Messiah. They know Zephaniah. Uh, Stay with me for a minute. The shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, know Zephaniah. They know the prophets. They know the anticipation, the longing for the day of the Lord. And sure enough, in that moment, when the announcement comes, today in the city of David, the Messiah comes. They're thinking in that moment, could this be Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord? And at that moment, the heavens split open and there's a great company of angels in the night sky who are praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill to men. Look, when Simeon, let me tell you about Simeon, Simeon serving in the house of the Lord at the time of the birth of Jesus, he's faithfully serving in the house of the Lord, waiting year after year, decade after decade. Simeon knows Zephaniah. He knows. After all these years, we've been waiting and longing. And Luke tells us that when Mary and Joseph walk in to the temple with the child Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is upon Simeon, who's been waiting and longing and praying for Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. It's our only hope, the day of the Lord. God is going to set the world right and fill us all with joy. And when the child walks in, Simeon knows, my eyes have seen salvation. And he's not the only one in the house of the Lord waiting on Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord. But so is Anna, the prophetess. She's been there through a long life. We talked about this last week. She's been there for a long life. And her experience of the world is not only Israel's injustice and unfairness, but her own. She married at a young age was married for seven years and her husband died and she is now all these years later having lived alone, waiting on Yom Yahweh, waiting for God to set the world right and to bring joy to her again and to Israel again. She's waiting in the house of the Lord. Here we are. Look, you and me gathered here together with All these children and families and young and old and everywhere in between. Here we are right alongside those shepherds and Simeon and Anna waiting on the day of the Lord. In a world that's a mess. Can we agree? The world's a mess. And maybe it is sort of characteristic of us to be an optimistic people. To believe that, oh, if things could, if we could just manage to get things straightened out, the world wouldn't be a mess anymore. But you know how many years people have been thinking that? (laughs) There comes a point when you say, you know what? Our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord, the coming of God. On this we wait. 
alongside those shepherds in the field, alongside Simeon and Anna. We wait. We lift up our eyes. We light these candles. We hear the praises and the songs. Some from the holiday season, some from the Christian tradition, all of it together reaching up and out for this joy that only God can bring. The joy of the Lord is my strength, we sing. The joy of the Lord is here in the house of the Lord. Here's what I want you to know. I'll leave you with this thought. Zephaniah says this. Zephaniah says, On that day, Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord, He will take great delight in you. His joy will spill over for you. He will, this is what Zephaniah says, these are Zephaniah's words, he will rejoice over you with singing. Just take that in for a minute. Because we somehow think if we could just muster up our praise and find our joy when the first move is that heaven's joy comes down over us, that God sings over us. The first move of joy is God's joy over you. The first song of joy that is sung is the one that God sings over you. I don't know how messed up the world appears to you, but I'm guessing pretty often you think pretty messed up. And you know what else? Sometimes we're pretty messed up too. And it's easy to lose your joy. Here's what Zephaniah says. Look, the Lord our God has come in Jesus and the Lord our God is coming again. And in that space in between, the joy of the Lord descends from heaven from a God who takes delight and great joy in you, who pours out his joy into you, who sings over you. We have this propensity to make joy and happiness and praise about us. But Zephaniah says, in that day, Yom Yahweh, It's the joy of the Lord that descends from heaven and rests over you. We get our joy back. And that's good news. Gospel, even. The joy of the Lord descends on you. Put another way, the joy of the Lord is sung down. I like that. Somebody tweet that. No, don't. Just kidding. The joy of the Lord is sung down over you and over me and over all of us who stand recognizing the day of the Lord has come and the day of the Lord is coming. And in between, we are receiving the joy of the Lord over us. Maybe the people of God need to stop and hear that song again. So mired in the mess, we can't even hear heaven's song. Listen, heaven sings over you. I could roll it back and you could hear these children sing again. I would tell you, if you listen and look, 
through the lens of eternity and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, maybe, just maybe, you'll hear heaven sing down over you. We'll find our joy again and find our joy again. This is our hope. This is our prayer. That in the day of the Lord, God brings our joy back. Let's pray. Oh God, of all eternity, of all hope, our greatest longing is to know and be known by you and filled with your joy. And so it is our prayer as we turn our hearts toward you in these moments that you would restore our wonder in the midst of this mess. Restore our wonder in the midst of this mess so that we might turn our hearts toward you and toward each other and in that moment say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. As you sing your joy over us, as we move toward this table to remember and celebrate your son, sing over us, oh God. Sing over us your love. Sing over us your hope, your peace. Sing over us your joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.